Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 232 for Monday, February 13th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me this week, filling in for Pixel Riffs, is friend of the show, Fixit412. You can find Fixit412 on YouTube, where Minecraft is played and shared in both vanilla and in modded Minecraft Let's Play videos. And of course, Fixit412 on Twitter. That's two X's and two T's in Fixit. The last time that Fixit was on the show was episode number 73, Blocking Out Combat with Fixit412. And that was uh, back in January of 2020. Welcome back, my friend. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Of course. Uh, it's been a nice kind of mix of people filling in for, for Pixel Riffs as he's been away. This will be the last week. Uh, Johnny will be back next week uh, on Monday. And I believe that's our email dispenser episode. So it'll be a pretty light content show for then, depending, I guess, on what snapshot may or may not come out. Uh, as predicted by Pixel Riffs, the moment that he left <laughs> left home uh, and any microphone, uh, Mojang just dropped all the news. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> of all times for him to leave. It's like 120 was announced and a bunch of stuff and then nothing, nothing, nothing. And then Pix leaves and it's like, oh, here's everything. <laughs> Here you go. I uh, saw a really funny comment in my in my chat either this weekend or last weekend. It was like, oh, we miss Pixel Riffs. You know, I hope he's back soon. But also, could you go away again sometime? Because <laughs> whenever you do, it seems like the news just drops. It's just like that's really it's a kind of a love-hate relationship with Pix being away from the show, which I think is kind of funny. But you and I actually just spent a few minutes talking about uh, keeping healthy. With all the time that we spend in front of our computers and playing Minecraft, there's a nice juxtaposition of being at the gym or out walking or watching what you eat and staying healthy. And uh, if folks want to hear a little bit more about that, you can check out the Render Distance. That's the extended version of the podcast. Tends to bookend the show. We do a little pre-show, a little post-show. And that is available to our patrons at patreon.com slash the Uh We are also going to be recording the Minecraft Monthly Hangout with Johnny uh, once he's back and settled. That's usually the last Saturday of the month, but depending on what his schedule is like, that might shift a little bit. Uh, we also, again, have the Chunk Mail uh, email dispenser coming up next week. That's one of the things that we've unlocked with our, our wonderful patrons. So thanks so much for supporting the show, folks. We'll get right into it, starting with you, Fix It. What have you been up to in Minecraft as of late? Well, you know, I, I recently, about a year ago, so I I, um, I, the Realm of Aston ended our old server that we used to play on together. And, and I thought mm -hmm. about the, the hardcore trend that was so popular and I thought, I, I, I want to try it. You know, I want to try it. So I started this hardcore world about a year ago and, and it, I was going great, but I decided to lean into the things that I love and I love storytelling. That's, that's my whole, I love telling a story, you know? And so what I started doing is I started animating little segments within the let's play video to tell this story. And my story grew and evolved. And actually, I took inspiration from the Citadel, actually, from, you know, listening to oh, you guys cool. every week and how you talk about how, oh, I went to the, the you know, the the uh, medieval district or I went to the future city or the modern city or whatever. And I thought, I, I want to do that. But how do I frame that within a Minecraft world and a story? Like, it, it doesn't, it's hard to come up with an idea where there would be a medieval city. And then if you go across a lake, there's a futuristic spaceport, right? So... I came up with a story where there's a guy who appeared on this planet and he found out through some mystery, uh, mystery means that in 10,000 days, the planet is going to be obliterated by an evil AI. So he has 10,000 days of hardcore mode to get the planet from this medieval procedure generated village Minecrafty thing to a future technology. So I get to build all that stuff, you know, while telling the story. It's mm -hmm. been really fun. Well, as the story evolved, it really took over my whole my whole life. It's like I go to bed thinking about this story, about how it's going to twist and turn <laughs> and different threats that are going to come in and different, you know, maybe a disease or maybe a zombie threat or whatever, you know. And I thought, what if I die? Like, what if I die in my hardcore world? Like, then the story will never be told. Like, that'll be it. And that would be heartbreaking to me. So I made the very difficult decision to change my... Now, I didn't die when it was hardcore. I want to be very clear because I think that would be disingenuous. Mm -hmm. But I decided after 23 hardcore episodes and 2,300 days to change it to a survival world before I died, you know, because then I, then I can complete the story. So now I'm playing good old vanilla survival Minecraft and it is lovely. I love it. I love playing. I love being able to live stream or, or AFK from time to time whenever I can and not worry that if I die, my story will never be told. You know, it, it's been a real joy. So I've been building all different stuff. I've been building a futuristic moon base and industrial revolution type of city and more medieval cities all over the world. And it is just, it is a true joy to kind of get back to sort of my building roots. It's been great. 
And it's cool to have that, I guess that combination of the relief from switching over from a hardcore world where you don't have to worry about it all going away. Uh, and then also it's not a server. It's just your own world. As, as much fun as it, is, as it is to play with other people, you just, you don't have to check with anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. You're not stepping on anyone's toes. You know, you can just tell your own story and not have to worry about it. Right. And if I decide, if, if I just, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to change the whole story. Then I can, I don't have to check with, check with 25 other people. Is this going to mess up your storyline or whatever? It's just, it's just been refreshing and great. I see from uh, the screenshots you're sharing in our live chat, some of which we'll have in our show notes this week. Uh, you are still not building small, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness these look fantastic Thanks. that mayan pyramid thing is huge and awesome it's, like it, it's very very cool looking. thank you that's a slime farm actually but you but yeah um <laughs> as one does yeah as, yeah as, as you have to yeah it's just it's just been man it's been it's been so much fun to really just dig in you know i've been watching a lot of sausage and flip your last two co-hosts and, and those guys oh, are yes. world building yeah, yeah, experts yeah. you know and and just being so mm. inspired and it, it's just been great uh, dude, I'm throwing you in the world building expert camp too. Like this castle and the fields of crops and stuff. Like it's it's really immersive, you know. And it's funny that it's good that you've got that story too, because I've got like a looks like a zeppelin, and then there's like some ships, and then there's like your futuristic city is like right on the hill next to all of them. And it's cool when you have a story that can then facilitate that freedom in Minecraft where you don't necessarily have to have an entire area all one theme. You know, like you can kind of bounce around between between areas, between parts of the world, or just have the world be a kind of like a combination of everything. But it looks looks fantastic. You, you know, I would even say more, even I would even go further. Like it doesn't facilitate all this stuff. It actually forces it, right? So like the story right. forces the build in in a way. Like I, I, I've never understood the people who are like, I don't know what to do. It's like, wow, I don't know what to do. Here, let me give you 3,000 <laughs> things that I want to do in my time, you know? So because like the story was for that giant big mega build that you see up there, the story is there are people in the future of this planet that were trapped because of the storyline. And this is what they needed to build to contact them. So it's like a future it's called the arcane reception coil and that's how they contact so i had to build this giant thing in order to in order to make the story come true you know it's just it's endless all the things that you can do in minecraft if you have sort of a reason oh for sure yeah i, I feel like that's that's something that i've always had trouble with too is that you know when people say i don't know what to do it's like but you, like you can just you can really do anything and I, in some ways i guess there's like that paralysis of choice it's like you know for all the you know for all the things that i say about you know minecraft is such a a free game to express yourself in i also can sit in front of netflix at night and not just you know like not be able to figure out what to watch and that's one of the four streaming services i, I have access to right and yeah. so i understand to a point where the the paralysis of choice comes in there but it's like um uh Fwip and i were saying last week with the main discussion about stories like if you start asking questions I feel like that's probably a good place to start for anybody that's stuck. So when you're building these stories, you know, the, the, you get so invested in them and to the point where you, you can't sleep at night. How do you get going? Like, do you, do you ask yourself questions about what the world is like? Or do you start with like a character in mind? Like what is like the, the grain of sand that starts the avalanche? Well, so I have a deadline in this world. And I think that is, that's probably the best idea I ever had when it comes to it. Cause I know I need to get to a certain place by day 10,000. I'm like day 3,100 right now. So I know I need to get there so I can kind of pace it out. Like I'm like, okay, so I want to start working on like a moon base, which is you know the end of course. So I want to start working on a moon base and who's going to build the moon base. Like these people can't get to the moon. So I had to come up with a character that lives on the moon. Right. And the whole reason for it and how he got there and all that. And, right. and then I'm fortunate to have a, a bunch of, of my supporters who are doing my voice acting for me. So it's not just me talking. So when I animate these segments, I have my friends do voice parts of, of recurring characters and you can have some fun little interactions and things like that. Um, but it's all, it's all going to a certain place. And then I think, okay, I need a hurdle. So what can the next hurdle be? Oh, I know a zombie apocalypse, right? The zombies are coming. And, and, but then you got to think, why are the zombies coming? Like, where are they coming from? Right. Who made the zombies? All of a sudden then you're building a dark, a dark evil underground castle because you need a place where the zombies used to live. Right. Things like that. I'm the same way with my logic. Like when I create something in the world or if I have an idea for a build, I have to come up with a reason for it to be there. 
And it can sometimes end up being a problem because like I'll want to add something to West Hill and then I realize, crap, if I add that, then I have to have like two other support buildings and a road leading to it. And it's like, no, I can't, I can't add the thing because then it adds three months of work to a project that yeah. I would re really like to finish sometime soon. And I feel like right. my logic gets not so much in the way it like it springboards into all these great ideas, but then I back away from it. Cause like, okay, wait a minute. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. I kind of want to, you know, continue to work with, with what I'm doing. Um, but that's really cool that you can like take that, that thought of the build and then you kind of like orchestrate the reason for it, which then springs into other supportive builds and other ideas that kind of like accent and uh, highlight the main, the main idea. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah, You said a word there that I don't even know. You said, you said you're finish a world. I don't, <laughs> I don't, what is that? It's, it's, How do you finish a Minecraft? I can't even imagine. There's always another block to place. Oh yeah. The river goes around the bend and just kind of stops. Ah, no one will see it. It's fine. It's fine. Create a cave. The river goes underground. <laughs> One thing that uh, I wanted to ask you about the animation that you mentioned, are you doing that in game or like just filming clips in game of like puppeteering your Minecraft character or is it like animation outside of the game? Because I've seen that in some content creators worlds as well, where they have like a CG animated version of their Minecraft character. Yeah, I, you know, I, when I first started doing it, I used to, well, when I first started doing some of these little lore segments, I call them, um, I used to do them with on bedrock and that is such a pain because you can't run two bedrock instances at the same time. And so oh, wow. I'd use my phone and my kid's tablet and, you know, now I, I've learned how to use Minimator and Blender. So I use, actually use outside programs where we can give you all the really cool bendy limbs and I could even do facial expressions, which I do not. That's a, that's one wow. level higher than I'm willing to go. But, um, you know, you can have a character walk over and pick up a sword and talk to another person. It's like, okay, let's go get him. He picks up his sword and he does that. It's, it, it it's a little bit of a learning curve, but it's not too bad. And I think it adds so much life to these lore segments. I mean, my lore segments are only like two minutes long and I, you know, I do one per video basically. And it just, it just constantly furthers the story along, but I felt like I couldn't tell the story in the way that I wanted to by using like replay mod. I needed a little bit more oomph. So I, so I took the, the, the time and the learning curve to learn uh, Minimator and, and then also Blender for some other things. I've only experienced uh, Blockbench for modeling. I've not done any Minecraft animation. I, I mean, I used to work in animation, but most of it was um, flat, classical flat stuff. It was computer, but like Flash or other, other programs like Photoshop, but not, um, not, CG. I did some CG stuff in school with like 3D modeling and rendering and, and puppetry and stuff, but um, I always was a stronger draftsman. So that's where I ended up working. Um, but yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see because I, I would love to do as an animator, I think it'd be really fun to create, you know, some animated texture packs for um, for the mobs in game. I've seen it on Hermitcraft. I think it's tied to Optifine, so I don't have access to it right now, but it's like better animations where like the villagers or the, or the creepers or whoever, the skeletons, like they actually bob around, they have weight and they have overshoot and settle and they have stuff. Uh, Kija in our chat is saying that it's called Fresh Animations is the name of the, the mod or, or uh, plugin. Yeah. I've seen that too. Those, those are, those are very cool. I think they add a lot of life to the game. I'm kind of hoping that, that, um, the dev team reworks some of the older animations at, at, at some point here soon. The new stuff just moves so well, so smoothly, like the mm -hmm. sniffer and the frog. I mean, the frogs in particular, are like that's stunningly gorgeous animation. You know, I'm just, I'm kind of yeah. hoping that they, I, I, you know, I say, cause I don't have to do it, but I'm kind of hoping that they take the time to redo the sheep and the horses at, at some point, you know? For sure. And it's not like they have to give them knees, you know, like I feel like they could still do some weighted stuff with the the older models and not have to change anything iconic. Like I understand for marketing purposes, they don't want to change the creeper, you know, like the creeper. Mm -hmm. I don't think even the creeper got a texture update when they redid all the textures. I think it stayed pretty much the same because it's just such an iconic game character, you know, from from Minecraft. Um, yeah. For me this week, I've been spending a lot of time going over the details in the Citadel. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's been since you've seen images from the Citadel, but it's probably been a while. Uh, but I really am enjoying these, um, I don't want to say short streams, but they're definitely short projects. Because basically within a normal three-hour stream, I can go to my little book, my in-game book, which was the best idea I had in a while, of writing down all the different things I have to do uh, in Westdale to finish it up. A lot of it has to go along the lines of like going inside of buildings and like, oh, this is an empty building. I should really decorate this with some sort of purpose, you know, put some crates in the corner or tables and chairs or whatever. But this week 
uh, I was focused on the market square in the east of Westdale where I changed the way that the market square was framed. It, it wasn't really bleeding into the surrounding textures very well. So I, I gave it like a border and it seems to work a lot better now. Uh, and then I added a couple of uh, market stands. One of them is outside the Smiling Goat Inn and I used the armor stand or armor statue data pack and the mini blocks data pack from Vanilla Tweaks to create mushrooms by using like brown candles and gray candles as the stem and then positioning blocks of like um, I think I used uh, prismarine and I used copper, I think, to make it look like some cool looking mushrooms. So it's kind of like a, an herbalist stand or something like that in the middle of the, the market. And then I did uh, a fish stand and I just hung some cooked salmon on a fence post, again, with the armor stand out of pack. And then the salmon heads just, they look like such cute Minecraft fish heads. It's just, it's very cartoony. I find it, it still keeps with the very blocky, low res Minecraft aesthetic. But it, even though it's a data pack, but it still feels very, very natural in the game to have like this weird kind of blocky fish head <laughs> you know, sitting on a kiosk. And so yeah, I put all sure. that together. And that was a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing little things like that. I think it adds a lot of color as you're walking into the East Gate. These are the things that you kind of look straight at as you're walking in the East Gate. So it's nice to have something there that feels finished. Um, added a few things to the bakery. The bakery wasn't anything fancy, just like loaves of bread on the counter, like stuff like that. Um, but then... I revisited the stone church and the stone church was pretty much finished, but I believe at the time candles had been announced, but they weren't in the game. And so I had, uh, soul fire torches on all of the little stands in the, in the church and I had to replace them with candles. So I used, uh, I liked the color. So I replaced them with cyan candles, but I had to add a lot more candles because of course candles don't give off the same amount of light as a, as a, um, soul fire torch. So, uh, I did that and combined with the soul lanterns in the ceiling, like it really gives the stone church like a nice vibe, a nice kind of blue glowy, glowy vibe, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I had to climb the tower and it had a set of stairs, but it was like functional. Uh, and so I went through and I added all the railings and a catwalk and kind of made things feel more structural. I added more beams to make it look like the tower's being held up by something, all those kind of things that just kind of make the build feel like it's been thought through the same sort of you know function and reason for you know your builds existing in your moon base it was the same sort of deal it's like this is a cool stone church but honestly it looks like it's going to fall down from the inside it's like i need to have something in here for my brain to say this makes sense physically it doesn't look like it's going to topple over um, and it's a lot more interesting you get more to look at and i just love the happy accidents of putting together this big timber frame and then when you get halfway up the stairs you're like wait a minute this stair platform lines up pretty much exactly with this timber frame crossbeam. Why don't I just turn the whole thing into a catwalk? And so about halfway up the tower, you have this little catwalk. There's nothing to do there. You just, you, it's a dead end. You just, but it's just something cool to look at as you're going up the stairs. And it took me five minutes to build. So uh, that kind of stuff I, I find really satisfying. Can I just, I don't know the armor stance data back at all, but I'm looking at these pictures and the salmon hanging I, can you just like give me like a, a very quick description of how that's even possible? Because that is amazing. So armor stands in this data pack, uh, you can nudge them around and they don't have a hitbox when you do that, right? So, um, or they, ha they have a hitbox, but it can be, because it's an entity, it can be pushed inside of something else. So you give the fish to the armor stand after you, you, you put it down, you use a, a book to say, display the arms, it'll display the arms. And you can put the salmon in the hand of the armor stand. And then you can do one of two things. You can position the hand the way that you want, or you can swap the fish to the head. And then the fish is up on the head like a helmet. And then you can kind of tilt the head the way that you want. I did the head because it was a lot faster. But okay. um, one of the things that you can do is you can turn off gravity so that the armor stand can be positioned in any vertical state. And you can also make the armor stand invisible. If you go into spectator mode, you'd see two armor stands kind of like overlapping one in each other, like one facing slightly left, one facing slightly right. And the fish are basically where the, the helmet would be, essentially. Um, and that's all it is. It, it takes a little bit wow. of trial and error. There's a better version that my patrons use on Infinity Cove on my patron server that has like a WYSIWYG, like a graphical interface that shows you kind of like what it's going to look like before it's done, which apparently is, is a lot easier to use. But the the one that I have right now is just a book that just allows you to position different things. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but some of the things that are nice are things like 
pre-programmed positions of the armor stand, like pointing, standing at attention, sitting, jumping, excited, bent over, you know, sitting down, like that kind of stuff. So you can do, if you wanted to position like armor stands with full armor that look like a player in the world sitting somewhere, you could do that, but it would take forever. Um, okay. So I just use it for things like items like loaves of bread or um, positioning mini blocks. Like I've, I've put mini blocks that are like stone mini blocks or, or other kind of mini blocks on the ends of chains. So it looks like there's something to hold on to and pull, you know, mm, and yeah. they're subtle, yeah. but it really, really helps. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, I think the, the mushrooms are the same thing. Uh, it's just an, it's just an armor stand. And that one of the options is um, to make the armor stand a mini armor stand, which makes it really tiny. And so it changes the size of the, of the mini of the mini block when it's on its head so um but I, I think it's like it's just the difference between it being like a, a head size or like a block held in the hand size and you can kind of go back and forth between them but i try to keep the data packs on the citadel as vanilla as possible but this stuff just kind of gives me the ability to do the sub block things that i really wish minecraft could do um, and uh, yeah. i try not to overuse it but it, it's fun just to add these little things that just kind of feel like the decoration that you would see in like a Zelda or, you know, any kind of RPG kind of cartoony RPG where you're walking around and there's just like barrels full of stuff or things piled in the corner or, you know, cups or, or, or things on, on tables. It just makes the world feel like someone has been there, which is nice. And then uh, the last thing that I did this week was I worked on the um, the river side, the river gate, as I call it. Uh, it did not have a door and it did not have any texture. It was all just kind of plain stone and the outside was all grass. So I removed all the grass and I put in like a stone wharf and some wood extensions. And then I made like a, the grass felt too accessible at the base of the curtain wall. Like it felt like it could be, people could go over there and like climb the wall. So I changed it to like a stone. So it, it, it made the river feel wider it doesn't feel like a place that you can go. It feels like it's a jagged piece of rock that you probably wouldn't want to climb. So um, it all kind of like gelled together. And each one of these was like a single stream to finish each project. And there's something really satisfying about finishing these, these check marks each stream. I'm kind of like finishing a certain set of goals. Whereas just a couple months ago, I'd be spending six streams on one project, like one build because of all the detail that goes into it as it gets constructed. And it's so nice to be able to go in here and just like work on the the wharf. And that's what I did that day. And then done. And then check mark and I move on to something else the, the next stream. The pictures are, are amazing. And you know, you're if I were walking through the Citadel and I saw this hanging fish, not to belabor it, but I would be like, I would just stop and stand that for like ten minutes and just look at myself. <laughs> this is it's so immersive. Like I'm so I'm so Thanks, jealous. Man. It's just like to walk through and see that I was like, wow, this is like it feels so much more real because it's some, maybe it's just because it's something that's not a block size block. If that makes sense. it's something yes. that's going to catch your eye. You're going to look at it. It's like, wow, this is obviously a, a fish guy here. I kind of wish, um, I, have you seen the data pack? I think where you can like hang tools on, uh, on tripwire hooks. You can do that with this. Okay. Like something like that. I kind of wish that was in vanilla. Cause that feels like a Minecrafty thing. I don't feel like yeah. that's too far. And it would add so much potential to build, you know? I've done that in some of my uh, my towers. I've got either tripwire hooks or uh, levers. And you have to use the tripwire hook first, but then the data pack has like a have or, or hang item on tripwire hook preset. And what you do is you put the armor stand down, you put the tripwire hook down, you put the item you want, and you click this button in the book and it kind of like does all the translation for you and aligns the item up against the wall on the tripwire hook and like kind of like one click. I end up adjusting it a little bit but it makes it look like I've got a couple of bows hanging on the wall next to where they would run up the stairs and be on the ramparts and be able to defend the city, like that kind of stuff. And those nice. kind of things really help because otherwise you're just dealing with like, well, I've made this big city, but like there's no stuff around. It's just empty. It feels like a, a ghost build, you know? And yeah, I feel like no they, life. yeah. And, and anything that you can do to break the 90-90 grid in Minecraft, like placing that fish head on a little bit of an angle, putting those little fish hanging on the fence post at a little bit of an angle, like anything like that really kind of changes Minecraft's feel to be like, well, it still looks like Minecraft, but it just has that extra little touch that takes it above and beyond. 
Moving into the news this week, we do indeed have a new snapshot. It is Java Edition Snapshot 23W06A. Changes include jukeboxes now emit a note particle above them when playing a music disc to match bedrock. Under accessibility, they've added a new option in the accessibility menu called Damage Tilt for controlling the amount of camera shake when being hurt. Added a tooltip to Keybind screen that specifies which keybinds are conflicting, and the Notification Display Time Accessibility option was renamed to Notification Time. Updated the Create New World screen. Tabs can be switched with keyboard by pressing Control Tab and Control Shift Tab to go left and right. Specific tabs can also be navigated by pressing Control Tab and a number. For example, Control 2 navigates to the second tab. Adding a screen to easily enable and disable experimental features. The screen can always be found under the More tab and Snapshots, a shortcut button can be found under the Game tab. In the Creative menu, they've added painting variants to the Creative menu. Paintings with predefined variants will now display the author and title in the description when you hover over it. So for clarity, instead of having to place the painting randomly and figuring out which one you're going to get, you can actually choose which one from the creative menu by hovering over it and seeing which it is by name. Technical changes in 23W06A added display entities for fixable display items, blocks, and text, added a damage command for applying damage to entities, added a PID file argument to dedicated server command lines for printing process ID to file, added the following game elements, entity underscore dismount with a vibration frequency of six, and entity underscore mount with a vibration frequency of seven, added a group of entities to display items, blocks, and text, and added execute summon to allow customization of a newly spawned entity. Display entities are new entities that have been added for flexible display items, blocks, and text. These entities don't have tick and can have no collisions or physics. Models render at entity position with normal rotation around X and Y axis so it can be controlled by teleport commands, but also with additional arbitrary model transform. For more details on display entities, interpolation, common entity properties, and how the new entities are displayed, and controlled, visit the minecraft.net article linked in the show notes. There are also a list of bug fixes. Quite a few of those bug fixes have to do with Skulk sensor detection fixes and changes, again, all in the show notes. Archaeology is coming to Minecraft 1.20. The remaining features will be revealed for Minecraft 1.20. Players will be able to start digging, dusting, and testing out all the new features in Java Edition snapshots and Bedrock betas very soon. Keep in mind, this is the first iteration of archaeology in-game, and more will be added as Mojang continues to develop the feature. Players will be able to start looking for suspicious sand in deserts near desert temples. The brush is a new tool that will allow you to brush away suspicious sand, revealing hidden items like pottery shards or other random objects. If you look closely at a pottery shard, you can see a pattern. Once a player collects four shards, they can be put together to make a pot. Pots can be used to decorate your builds. The different patterns on them tell unique stories. Minecraft Bedrock Update 1.19.60 is now available. Focusing on quality of life improvements with quite a few fixes to the game, including over 70 bug reported by the community. There's also a nice amount of vanilla parody tweaks and some new experimental features to test out. For the tech-savvy players and creators, we have quite a few improvements on the technical side as well. There is a long list of parody improvements for this update. The full list is, of course, on the Minecraft.net article linked in the show notes. Here are a few highlights. Under parody, slime and magma cubes no longer spawn in spaces that are two blocks tall or less. Dispensers can now equip saddles and horses armor to tamed horses. Under blocks, crimson and warped blocks now have a unique set of sounds. Bamboo plant placement now behaves the same way as Java Edition. It will no longer grow by clicking the side of a bamboo plant with a bamboo item in hand. The Skulk Shrieker block sound can now be heard at the longer distance of 32 blocks. Under experimental features, several new experimental features are now playable from the upcoming 1.20 update, and fixes and changes, of which there are many, are all listed in the Minecraft.net article linked again in the show notes.
Last but not least, Minecraft Legends is available for pre-order. The standard and deluxe edition of Minecraft Legends is available for pre-order at Minecraft.net. The standard edition will be included in Xbox Game Pass, PC Game Pass, or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, which is both Xbox and PC. Minecraft Legends is set to release April 18th, 2023 on PC, Steam, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch. To get into the snapshot for Java, I don't fully understand how display entities work. I've seen them uh, given as an example in a recent Eximovoid video, uh, but I imagine it's a pretty powerful addition for map makers as well as data pack and mod authors. It essentially allows the game to display any entity kind of like in space, still in space, rotating in space. Uh, you can have it follow the player. So things like, imagine a set of text, like if you're marking like this way to dungeon number four, you could have that face the player no matter which way the player is approaching from, which I thought was really cool. So there's all kinds of implementations. None of it is really vanilla. It's all like backend kind of like creative uh, and command line stuff. But I imagine that's the kind of thing that would, would have to have been coded outside of the game previously. And now it looks like Mojang is giving creators more opportunities to do that in-game, probably more simply would, would be my guess, uh, rather than having to do something in a mod that, you know, would then require a mod launcher. Something like this being able to be done in a data pack or something similar would mean that you could still do it on the vanilla launcher. Have you looked into the, the display entities at all, Fix It? You know, no, no, I haven't. I haven't really. It seems like it's a little bit above my uh, my pay grade. But mm -hmm. but from what I have seen, I saw a couple examples. I think I want to say Jappa uh, tweeted uh, someone who you I, I believe I could be totally wrong here, but I, I believe they used this to code the Star Wars Episode Four intro in Minecraft with the text going. Nice. I, I, at least that was my um, understanding from the text. And if that's true, that is crazy that that's possible in like vanilla minecraft right like that's nuts i did see i think Zoomavoid uh posted where um you could so show the text like different levels like it would be flat or it could be static or it could turn with the player i think all that's cool you know it's not something that interests me crazy as a as a person but it's something that interests me a lot as having kids because my kids play a lot of bedrock maps a lot like an insane amount of bedrock maps i'm a little embarrassed of how many we have and, and to know that that's going to be possible for map makers in particular, I think that's a super cool thing. The technical changes in the back end this week really kind of push. I feel like there's two main themes. There's a lot of accessibility changes and obviously some UI tweaks to the things that they made last week. But um, the accessibility stuff about like the damage tilt uh, and, and keybinds and clarity of communication with like jukeboxes now emitting no particles. And then they switch and they get back into like creative menu, making it easier for, for people making maps to use paintings and get the right one. So it feels like a lot of this is just aiding the speed at which and convenience for creators that are making these maps and making, you know, all of this content um, for, you know, kids to devour, you know, on, on both editions. I'm pretty sure that you can make a map in Java and then like bring it over to Bedrock somehow the bedrock must have some tools for that because otherwise it would just be painstaking yeah there 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 are actually you know our old mutual friend jermsey boy works for a bedrock map um company now okay that makes bedrock maps and he was telling me about some of the some of the tools that they use to make and it's it's awesome like nice. they have some awesome power at their fingers yeah and that makes sense because you would you wouldn't want to do it just like with the tools in game there would have to be some some other stuff but yeah the display entities are, are really neat i look forward to people using stuff that feels very technical and looks very non-Minecrafty to create data packs that on the user end of things end up feeling very much like vanilla Minecraft. Like, for example, I used the armor stand data pack to take a leather armor chest plate and make it look like it's attached to the sign outside of my leather shop in Westhill. And that to me is a cooler way to say this is a leather shop than having a sign that says leather shop because yeah. all the signs look the same. I'm looking forward to the new hanging signs, but there's still like, there's still just a Minecraft sign with text on it. And I feel like, you know, for a number of reasons, one for a little bit more immersion, because like if you have a 
sign that says leather shop, well, for one, it's in English, you know, unless you're writing it in a different language. Like, I feel like just having that leather image is way more fun and way more clear um, to everybody watching as to what's going on inside. And it's more colorful. It's a little bit more cartoony, which I'm a little bit more biased towards. And to, if there was something in game that allowed me to do that and say like, craft something in a crafting table where the data pack would then give you a trapdoor with a chest plate on it you know and it's if that was done with like display entities that would feel to me uh, like a better data pack than using this armor stand to hover this thing in the air and nudge it around 800 times before i'm happy with it right I feel like there's there's definitely some potential there for the kind of things that I like to do with data packs that I still feel very vanilla, quote unquote. But then this this display entity feature, um, I feel like could be opened up. I don't know enough about the back end of things to really understand the potential, but I'm sure there is somebody out there that is just like champing at the bit to get get their hands on this. So if you are one of those people, by all means, uh, we don't really hear that that much from mod authors or from data pack authors. But if you are one and you're listening to this, let us know, like, let us know what you think uh, about the display entities and how you think you might be able to use them in, in the future. I'd be very, very interested to hear that. Uh, obviously, we are going to defer our archaeology talk to the main discussion so we'll uh, we'll kind of glaze over that for now uh i think more bedrock parody is good again i'm not a bedrock player so i don't have a lot to say about that i imagine you know you as a java player and with other family members as bedrock players more parody makes you know your life a lot easier i just think it's right you know i did a i, I did a 200 episode bedrock single player world um some years ago and so like i have a decent amount of bedrock experience now i'm not a technical player though so if you're not a technical player there's not a lot of difference between Bedrock and Java. You're just putting blocks down, right? So it's basically the reason why I did Bedrock is because I had an RTX card and I thought RTX looks amazing. So I kind of got a jump before the RTX came out because I heard it was coming. And I wanted the render uh, distance because it's amazing in Bedrock. I was rendering like 90 chunks and flawless frames. I, it was wow. amazing. And I, you know, as you know, I like to build big. I like to build big worlds. So for me, seeing seeing a castle that's literally 90 chunks away when I'm building something else and not having frames just come to a standstill is super cool. So I loved it. The reason why I finally stopped is because of the hardcore thing. I, I and hardcore is not on bedrock, you know? So, um, I had to switch or else I probably, I might not have, I was really having a great time with that world. Very, very cool. Yeah. I, I don't have access to an RTX card. So otherwise I think I would have tried bedrock at that time. I remember, being very intrigued by it and thinking like, this might get me in there because one of my biggest pet peeves is that despite the fact that my machine is not a potato, I still can't play on the Citadel with shaders on. I, I, I get okay frames. I think it's like 45 to 60 frames a second, but I get a frame stutter. And so it's just, yeah. it's just choppy. It doesn't feel smooth at all. It doesn't feel like a good, good gameplay. And I think it's just, you know, the, the a bad combination of hardware or whatever, but because I would love to play with shaders. I would, I would be, way more inclined to to uh, put the time in you know and really look at some cool stuff in minecraft with with shaders like that i i do find that i just get so jealous of myself when i take screenshots for like sharing on twitter or here on the show and i put the shaders on it's like oh, i really wish i could play like this it looked good before but it looks really good now with like light reflecting off the water you know you take a river shot and it's like the water's sparkling like come on why can't i have this it's something special for sure. I recently went back to playing with shaders after taking some time sort of away from them. Cause I just, I, I turned them on for a screenshot. Basically. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not playing with this? Cause yeah. I don't, if I'm in a really pop big build that I did, my frames slow down a little bit, but it's not, it's not enough that it's real noticeable on the YouTube side. Moving on into email. If you'd like to send us a message, you can send it along to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com this week, flower field. O2 has written in about Elytra customization. Hello, Spawn Chunks. I just found your podcast recently and I'm really enjoying it. I was listening to the episode where you discussed armor trims and the potential of customizing Elytra. And I was thinking, what about banners for customizing Elytra? Something like combining a banner and an Elytra in a crafting table, which would put the banner pattern on the Elytra rings. Banners can already be placed on shields in Java edition and capes, which are similar in shape to Elytra, can already give the Elytra a pattern. It makes sense to me because the elytra seems to be some kind of fabric or skin substance. So to make a pattern makes more sense than using the armor trim. 
Flowerfield 02 crashed into a wall while trying to see her elytra and what it looked like. That's good. I may have done that before. I have a custom yeah, elytra. Yeah, I have a custom elytra uh, resource pack and it looks really cool. And I definitely be like, oh yeah, I like the way that this looks smack. And I don't, I don't think I died, but I definitely gave myself a little bit of a jump. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, so I like the idea of also customizing uh, elytra. I think that on one hand, I feel like having the armor trim available for elytra would help with a lot of options. So I feel like, because if you do the armor trim and you give the Elytra the ability to be dyed, then you're opening up a lot of different pattern combinations. But on the other side, I can see Flowerfield's point, which is that armor trim, like metal stuff or stone jewels, on elytra doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about what elytra are the fact that there's no armor rating for them and you know that the fact that you can repair them with um phantom membrane so using banners to do it makes sense the problem there i guess is just like you'd have to wrap your head around what banner pattern you make how is it going to look on the elytra and i mean i my adversion to this is like i don't particularly like the in-game way that you make banner patterns i find it really convoluted and yeah for me if they opened up elytra customization with banner patterns my i would probably at the most i would make a gradient maybe just a single color and <laughs> just be like that's done i'm fine i don't need it to be more than that um i i like our idea a couple weeks ago where we decided where we were talking about um take changing the shape of elytra i think changing the shape of elytra would be would be my preferred way to customize them on top of colors and stuff like that. But I, I think that you just have to do a little bit more than making it look like you have two cardboard boxes on your, on your back. Um, how do you feel about applying something like the armor trim to the Elytra? Well, you know, it definitely feels like this, this update, uh, the unnamed update is all about customization and expressing yourself, you know? And so I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this is coming down the pipe, you know? Um, so I love, I love the customization. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not like a custom armor sort of guy. Like I've never collected skins in any game I've played or I've never really cared about that, but I don't know what to say. I love these armor trims. I love them. They have completely captured me. I'm thinking about in, in my, in my ruin city, this, uh, Gabor, the kingdom of the Avon, I'm going to build, um, giant palace to all the different uh, armor trim things. So thinking about, well, if I could do one for an elytra, I could build a tower, like a tower to all the different elytra colors or whatever. I would, I would love that. It would be a great excuse for a build. And, you know, anything we can get in an SMP to not be a bunch of people standing around in diamond or now netherite armor that all look exactly the same is good. So we have the boots, the legs, and the helmet, but everyone wears an elytra all the time after you get one, basically, right? Yes. So yeah. It would be really nice that if everyone's elytra didn't look the same, I would be fine with dying and, and maybe the armor trim for designs. I think that would probably be cool. I never even thought about dying. I, I thought maybe the armor trim could be a different shape or something like that, but um, yeah, just anything to change it up would be nice since we all wear them basically all the time. I mean, for the most part. To catch up to the armor trim with now leather armor, although I mean, not that anybody's going to wear leather armor either, but um, to, to even just the regular armor to catch it up, and and have the elytra compete with customizability i feel like you'd, you'd want to use the armor trim system and that way you you could just dye them if you just wanted pink elytra you could just have pink elytra but if you wanted pink elytra with the um wild pattern or the i can't remember all the names of them now but like with the different patterns on them then you'd go and find that pattern and use that you know maybe may, and maybe the the thing there is like you still have to get the armor trim pattern template but instead of using redstone or gold or diamond to make the pattern maybe they could use uh dye you know so that you're not really putting anything you know to flower fields point heavy on the elytra you know you're not encrusting it with diamond or jewels or anything like that you're just you know adding color in a pattern onto it in the same way that you know, all kinds of cultures die and create cool patterns on, on fabric. Um, not to mention, and I don't know, I don't know why I didn't realize this earlier, but elytra can be displayed on armor stands. They can also 
uh, armor stands can also obviously display armor. And for me with that armor stand data pack, like if I wanted to, I could put like a whole bunch of boots on a whole bunch of armor stands and then position them to be like stone trim somewhere, you know, like, or <sighs> colorful trim on something like you could, I mean, depending on how much, you know, you wanted to devote into having entities floating around in your world, you could do some really cool stuff with, with armor stands, uh, chest plates, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I like the idea of having like different elytra displayed and coming up with a cool idea for a tower or any kind of build that's like, this is where everyone in the world comes to get their elytra and customize them. Kind of like that, that rite of passage in the first Avatar movie when you have to go and, and get your, I can't remember the name of the beast they fly on, but they fly on a specific animal and you have to bond with it. You have to capture it and, and show it right. who's boss. And then you, that, and that is the only one that you get to fly with. And I feel like that's, that's something that you could work into Elytra to make it even more special, you know? You know, from a, from a world building perspective, I would even take armor trim a step further and, and make shields, you know, shields, I think are an underutilized thing in Minecraft, but yeah. now we have invisible item frames, right? And that sort of changes everything. So if armor trim could change the shield shape, then you could use it, I mean, as a person or on your armor stand, or you could use it with invisible item frames. And all of a sudden, then you have triangles or you have circles or you have, you know, Roman shields. You have all these options. And especially because banners go on, go on them, right? So the banners on a circular shield, I mean, there's been mods that do that for a million years, but I think that would be really cool. Like use the trim, use it on shields, use it on Elytra, just really expand this whole thing. Cause I am, it has like captured my imagination. I am all in on the armor trim. And armor trim on shields makes even more sense than Elytra, right? Because armor shield, like a shield is part of your armor. Like it's, it's definitely a defensive thing. You don't, you can't do anything offensive with it as far as I know. Uh, you, yeah. you, yeah. And, and then your shield is going to be able to match your armor, you know, with your armor trim, if you wanted it to be exactly. that way. So, so with the invisible item frames and stuff like that, though, like, doesn't the shield display really small when you put them in an item frame? They, they do. Yeah. They're pretty small. I actually did a, a, I don't use it right now, but I did a resource pack that doubled or even tripled the size of some particular items when they go oh, in. Oh, smart. So like if you, if you have an item frame on the table and it's invisible and then you put your sword on it, then your sword is like three times as big as it would be. So it looks like a big giant three dimensional sword. It's, it's, it's really cool. And it's actually easy to do. Yeah. That would be really cool. So we'll move on to the main discussion, which is, of course, archaeology coming to Minecraft 1.20. Mojang announced this week that archaeology gameplay mechanics will be included in the Minecraft 1.20 update expected later this year with iterations and new features to be accessible in upcoming 1.20 snapshots. We obviously don't have a lot to go on. There's not even a snapshot for hands-on reporting for the podcast this week, but there was an article and some screenshots and uh, people dug into it and took a look around. So fix it. Are you someone that has been waiting with great anticipation for archaeology as a storyteller in Minecraft? I, kind of. I, I think it's cool. I'll tell you what I've been waiting for. I don't think we're going to get it. So I'm going to say this knowing that I'm probably going to be a little bit disappointed. But when I first saw archaeology some years ago, I was like, hold up. Are those are those sand layers? Is that gravel layers? Is that a way to get because that's a very Minecrafty way, you know, with all this hands on crafting that they like to do these days with, you know, stripped logs and concrete the way you have to act, do stuff to get stuff. I thought, oh, this might be gravel layers, dirt layers and sand layers come into the game like snow layers, right? I don't think we're going to get that. But man, I'm hoping. <laughs> I am really hoping. The amount of landscaping that we could possibly do, imagine, imagine, imagine what you could do with a, a meadow and you have you have dirt layers along the side of your path or something like that. So that was my secret hope, knowing that we're probably not likely to get that. The pots are cool. I would love if the pots actually held something. I think the pots could be used like a bear, like I thought a barrel was going to be used, which is just one item, but a lot of it, like a very modded thing. I think that would be really nice. Like we all have many, 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 many double chests of like cobblestone, right? Like basically every world has that. And it'd be nice to have like one barrel that could hold I don't know, like, you know, 300 stacks of something or something like that. So maybe one of those pots could do that. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's, it's cool. I think it's a really cool mechanic. And I love my favorite thing about Minecraft is since it's impossible to get bored because if you're tired of building, then you can go explore. And if you're tired of exploring, then you can go fight a boss. And if you're tired of fighting a boss, you can go, you know, and this is another thing that you can go do when you're kind of tired of what you've been doing. I think that's a beautiful thing. 
I, I'll tell you my, my other secret hope is that they add, and we've seen very, very little of archaeology. I'm hoping that they add suspicious sand around desert temples, maybe suspicious gravel around ocean ruins, maybe suspicious dirt around jungle temples. Those nice. three are the oldest buildings, right? That's so, a really good idea. That would be cool. That'd be cool to have. And then maybe different colored pots, right? Like maybe you get like a, a brown pot in desert. Maybe you get like a light green pot and much, something like that. I think that could be a really cool expansion of it. I actually had a note here that that I hope that they allow us to add color to the pots. Uh, as they are, they're kind of a basic terracotta color now. And that's fine. But if you can't change the color, decorating your builds with them, you're only going to be able to do so much. You know, and in some builds, depending on what you've built, they're going to clash and they're not going to look that good. So I feel like giving the players a little bit more control, a little bit more customization as hopefully archaeology develops to then dye the pots, I think would be would be cool. Hopefully it'll be something along the lines of like how I don't want to say terracotta works because terracotta, dyeing terracotta is like the bane of my existence. Like you make it, you know, yeah. b black and it turns brown or whatever, or blue turns purple. Like stuff like that is really a pain. Um, but if you could dye it and have it be, it's okay to have it be cartoony and vibrant. It doesn't have to look like, you know, a, a terracotta pot because a lot of pot and pottery in, in history has been painted uh, and mm -hmm. very vibrantly in, in many cases. And I think it would be very cool. Like can you imagine if you had like, black pots with the wither skull on it you know in bright yellow or something like that like it would look you could make this kind of stuff look like toxic waste if you wanted to yeah. right like it opens up the creativity for the player if you can change the color uh on the pots after you've make, made them uh, so that was one thing yeah. that I'm, I'm hoping for and this isn't a criticism this is like a fingers crossed like i hope we get this because obviously this is just the, the tip of the iceberg as far as showing what uh, archaeology looks like and i will say that as far as the pots and the art goes boy does it look a lot better than what we saw at minecraft live like two years ago um yeah. which i know was just you know pre preliminary stuff but it looks way more in tune with like minecraft and art and minecraft in 2023 like it, it really feels a lot better the brush looks better um like all that kind of stuff feels a little bit more like the game that we're all playing right now which is which is very very cool um, I agree. It does line up with the theme of 1.20, which is uh, a combination of expressing yourself and telling story, but also pushing the player out to explore the world, right? They did this 1.18 update a couple of years ago now where they revamped the entire overworld. And a lot of the big things that they're adding this time are pushing the player out to look for armor trim templates to, you know, go to deserts and look for uh, suspicious sand. Uh, which you you know dust to to receive um, not just pottery shards. I thought it was interesting in the article they said pottery shards or other random objects, right? So maybe you get other things in there that are either useful or not so useful. So there's a little bit more of a RNG and and an excitement if you do get a pottery shard, you know, compared to like the arrow, you know, and the and yeah. the and and the flint that you that you uncovered, you know, the last two times that you found suspicious sand, it'll be a little bit more rewarding, I think, as a as a player to not get them every time. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with suspicious sand. My ears perked up, and I thought, ooh, new sand type, but then thought immediately, you're not going to be able to craft it. Uh, you're, I don't think so. Um, you it's probably going to be something that you can only find in the world and then you'd have to choose as a player if you're going to decorate it given what we know now that you'd have to either use it for decoration or you'd have to dust it for potentially whatever's inside of it and hmm. um i would imagine that something like hitting it with a shovel would either destroy it entirely or uh give you sand and then you lose the ability to then dust it with the archaeology brush so I, again, it's hard without knowing all the exact mechanics, but I'm hoping that they allow players that, like, as you said, maybe don't want to go partake in archaeology right away to then still use suspicious sand or pots that they find in their builds, you know, and and use it creatively rather than having to go and and find all this stuff with the, you know, with the suspicious sand. Because I can see myself trying it out for the first part, but... If, if these pots are tedious to make, then I'm not going to be using them that often, right? Um, it depends on, on how flexible they are too, because if you can change their color, if you can change their direction, like right now, we've only seen them standing straight up. Can you place them on their side? 
so they look like one of them might be knocked over that would be cool um it is neat when you stack them that they stack cleanly on top of one another and the yeah, little cool. the little top spout i guess looks like it fits up under the bottom of the other other pots i yeah, wonder like if lego yeah i wonder if that's reflected in the model or the texture at least so that from the underside it has a different texture because then again if it's not a gravity block you could line your ceiling with clay pots and get yourself a different ceiling texture right it opens up more creativity for different uses for the block or if you can put them on their side then you could use it as a wall texture right yeah, so I'm true. just yeah. I'm just curious to see how they're gonna how they're gonna roll with that. Um, it is taller than a block. I don't know what the hitbox is like. I'm assuming the hitbox is the main the main part of the pot, and the top is not part of the hitbox, um, because of the way that they stack. But uh, we don't know yet. So until these things hit the snapshots, we're all kind of like speculating. I, there's been a, a real focus on on renewable for the last bunch of years, right? Like they've been really trying to make almost everything renewable. So you know, I would be. I can't imagine a storytelling reason of how you could possibly craft suspicious sand. Like that doesn't really make sense No, exactly. unless you could just craft it, but there wouldn't be anything in it. You know, maybe, maybe something like that. But um, I would be surprised if they added a non-renewable block to the game. Cause it just doesn't seem like the direction that it's been headed though. I mean, maybe you could say wandering trader could sell it or something too, but yeah, but I'm with you on, on the, on the pots. There's a lot more that I'd like to know. Can we set them on the side? And, and definitely the dying thing is again, I didn't think about that when I saw the post. So having them be able to dye it all 16 colors, I think would be really, really nice. And yeah, real colors and not the terracotta colors. I, I second you on that. You imagine dying one gray, you know, or dying several gray, you could use it to line the top of a castle wall. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Or dyeing them black and hanging them upside down or white and hanging them upside down in your giant snake build, you know, to have teeth, you know, on something, mm. a dragon build or something like you could, you could do some really, really cool things with them. If you can one place them in a direction and two, if you can change their color. Um, we also don't know if these are the only images. Like I think it's a, a wither skull, a bone arrow, a diamond. And I think a player, like a person looks like a person with their arms up in the air are the images that I've seen depicted on the sides of the the pots very basic very you know um, pixel art kind of representations of things and that's cool but like i'm not sure what kind of story you're going to be able to tell if you if these are the only the four images so my guess is that players will be able to similar to how armor trim works be able to apply their own symbol to it you know for example like, how do you get, like, if you wanted to make the diamond, if you wanted to make the diamond pot, like, do you have to sacrifice one of your own diamonds to then etch the diamond pattern into the pot? I don't know. I'm just speculating because mm. like, that's all we can do. Right now you have to make the, you have to grip the shards and then you, we don't know yet how you assemble the shards. To your point about, you know, maybe the wandering trader giving access to suspicious sand. What if there's a new profession that we don't know about? Maybe an archaeologist villager is something that we could you know look forward to and then that way you could do you could do away with like the weird like how would you quote unquote craft suspicious sand if you could trade with it for a villager the villager just found it and brought it home you know and maybe could it still be dusted but if if not then at least you could still get it and then use it in your builds because it does have a similar texture to sand but it is a, it's something that's kind of in between sand and sandstone. I would say in the same way that powdered snow is to snow, suspicious sand is to sand. It's just a little bit different, some darker flecks in it. Like you can see it. Like it's not like it's, if you're standing on top of it, you're going to be able to notice it. Maybe not in the dark, but you, you definitely can see it in the screenshots when they're, when they're showing stuff around the temples. I love your idea of suspicious sand by temples, gravel by ocean monuments, and dirt by desert temples. Because I think the idea of dusting those blocks down into sublayers in the same way that we can do with snow would be just mind blowing. <laughs> like it would take landscaping to a whole new level. Uh, I think Ugh. that would be really, really cool. I don't know if we'll get it, but that would be that would be something to look forward to. Like we sort of get there with like moss carpets. You can sort of do a little bit of layering with grass now, but yeah. it depends on what yeah. biome you're in, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm literally right now I'm salivating thinking about <laughs> sand and dirt and uh, uh, gravel layers and just what what you could do and and you know I don't I think it 
the like the idea that is cool. Like if you put down a sand layer and you and you start dusting it and you dust it a little too far, well then that block's destroyed. You don't get it back. And I think that's that's cool. That's a good payment to get that thing. You know, I I like the idea of one block equals any one layer, like yeah. however high you want it, but it's one layer. It's not like snow where you get multiple layers. I I think. I think it's all right there for the taking. I just, uh, you know, I don't know if it would cause lag or I know um, Conquest Reforged has those layers and it used to cause, I don't know if it still does, it used to cause a lot of lag if you used a ton of layers. And so I don't know if that would be an uh, issue to think about or not, but it'd be cool. It's the kind of thing that even I would use sparingly just to kind of like have that that little bit of offset. Like anytime you can kind of make it look like Minecraft is off its grid, even vertically, it, it really helps with the immersion, I find. Um, I'm hoping that with the pots that they're also not just decorative because like, what do you do when you put a comparator up to a, 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 a pot? Like what readout does it get? Can you get a different readout based on the different patterns on the side of it? It doesn't make any sense, but it gives the pot more functionality than just being a decorative pot. Like if it's a, if it's an object that you can get four different comparator outputs from, depending on what the side, you know, is facing the comparator, then that's fantastic. You know, um, that's another reason for these, these things to be directional. Like if you've got a couple of sides on this thing and you really like the skull, but it only ever faces West, you know, like the current, right. um, cartography table, right? Like you can't turn that around. So if that's the case, if they're locked in a cardinal direction, that really reduces the amount of decorative stuff that you can do with them. Um, I like you think it would be fun to put stuff in them. I don't exactly know what that would look like as an interface or, or what, but I think that would be cool. I mean, we have flower pots in the game. If these pots would allow you to put stuff in them out the top, um, that would be really nice. Um, imagine yeah, if you sapling. could put, uh, two tall flowers cause you can't put those. Yeah. You can't put those two tall flowers in a flower pot, but you could put them in a pot you know, and have it be more of a planter like, and again, right back to our earlier conversation about like, if I have a red rose or if I have a sunflower, how cool would it be if the pot was like yellow or orange or something that would more, you know, match better, you know, a pink pot with peony or, or with the, the lilacs would be really nice. Like you could do some really cool stuff. You get into modern city decoration, house plants, like there's all kinds of things that could open up if they give the players the flexibility to to mess around with that kind of stuff. I, I think it needs to have a use. And, and I, I, everything um, they've added recently has had a use. Everything. So I think it will. But if it doesn't have a use, if it's just decorative, hmm, I think it'll mm -hmm. be a very short-lived sort of uh, important item. Like, you'll do it once. Cool, I got one. And then you just won't do it again. Unless it has basically any use. Like, find some reason why you would want that. You know, I think that could that could be a cool thing maybe with the comparator maybe it can only hold one stack of an item you know like a bundle almost or whatever and that will give the different comparator signals something something the technical folks can utilize in different ways too the minecraft article also mentioned a journal but i can't tell if it's just colorful writing from the author uh, denkis or if the journal may be another item found that's related to archaeology uh, maybe it's something that points you towards other dig sites though we already have buried treasure maps for that. And speaking of like, what if we could take buried treasure maps and fold them into archeology span to give that more life to a game mechanic that's been around for a little while. I don't know how they would do that because they were very specific in the article and said that, yes, there's sand at, at beaches, but that's not where you go for suspicious sand. So like, don't waste your time. Like basically you have to go into the desert and really they, they specifically pointed you towards desert temples. So, um, I don't know whether if they were to try and bring treasure maps and fold them into archaeology, whether that would be confusing, you know, in terms of how one mechanic works and how the other one works. So I'm not sure about that. But I like the idea of, of a journal that might, you know, allow you to write down where you found stuff or keep track of what pottery shards you found. I There's more stuff coming. And I think that in the same way that you can, you know, you and I can brainstorm about like dying pots, comparator output, like putting stuff in them as you're using them for flower pots. Um, it's hard to speculate without just a little bit more information about like what interacting with these things might look like, um, what functions there might be, 
whether or not there's going to be a crafting interface, like all this kind of stuff, I think needs to be, you know, answered before we can really feel how it might mesh into the world. But by and large, compared to what we saw very early on with the Minecraft live footage, um, I really feel like this, it looks like it's an improvement to me. Yeah, it just looks much more polished. And, and uh, obviously they've been working on this for quite some time. And, and um it just it looks like i mean it looks like it's ready for a snapshot just from the couple pictures we got so hopefully maybe we'll know in just a couple days here well i think that's about a good time to wrap up this episode of the sponge chunks if you want to find out more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about you can visit the the music for the show was composed by pixel riffs the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? Visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to the patron-only Discord chat and access to bonus audio content. We currently have 328 patrons. That's up three from last week, but there is always room for more. Special thanks go out to Hunter555, JumboSale, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Spreading the word and sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations by far are the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and let them know that they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS link is featured on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Joel Duggan, and everything I am up to online is at joelduggan.com. That includes links to the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week. Lego on Fridays, currently working on the NASA Shuttle Discovery, and Minecraft Saturday, Sunday, and sprinkled throughout the week. Fix it. Thank you so much for joining me on the Spawn Chunks. Great to have you back. Where can people find you and all the stuff that you do online? I'm basically down to two sites now. I, I'm not really able to live stream due to my kids' sort of school schedule and all that kind of stuff during the day. So I'm on YouTube. Uh, it's at Fixit412, F-I-X-X-I-T-T-412. And the same thing at Twitter. If you want to catch my ramblings about uh, Pittsburgh sports and other nonsense, uh, I'll be over there on Twitter. But but yeah, I do YouTube. Basically, every other day I do some sort of Let's Play, either Survival or Modded. And uh, it's all about storytelling. So if that's your bag, uh, come on over and, and hang out. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Does that sand look suspicious to you? <laughs>